Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Little Egypt Sports Podcast. That's Bucky Dent. That's Les Winkler. And I'm your host, Todd Hefferman. <laughs> welcome to a see spring. We see what you did. There. Spring, March. <laughs> March is right around the corner, thank goodness. And that, of course, means spring football. Starting tomorrow for the Salukis. Uh, this will be a major spring for the Salukis. Uh, 15 practices. They have four new coaches, two of which are coordinators. Uh, they won two games last year, two and nine, uh, with, with what I thought was probably their best team that Nick Hill had had. Uh, just couldn't finish games. They were ahead at the half in more than half of them. Uh, literally, and uh, just they, we, they may be changing their defense. You know, I, I think you have to have a four-three to compete in the valley. But they, Jason Petrino, may may use a three-four or something like that. Um, you know, what what do you think? How do you how do you evaluate a quarterback when you look at quarterbacks less? Quarterback in 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 college at this uh, level. Just I I don't really look at uh, passing efficiency because so much of that is based on. The offense they run, you know, I mean, so many passes they are, you know, 40 years ago to, for someone to complete 60% of their passes was just unthinkable, but you didn't run the shuttle passes, you didn't run all the uh, bubble screens, uh, I mean, everything now is basically you're getting, a, you're getting a ball to the player in space by uh, throwing it rather than put, getting blockers out in front of him and running him around the corner. Uh, just, just consistency and being able to, being able to move the sticks. Um, keeping the ball for uh, for significant chunks of time rather than the three and outs, the three and outs. When you do that, I, I know that's the the rage today is making the big plays and moving the sticks. But especially like at, like last year when SIU's defense was suspect, that's putting more and more pressure on your defense by sending them back out on the field after coming off on the sidelines. You know, getting a breath of air and going right back out. I, I just I want to see someone who who uh, handles the ball well and, and is is capable of, of, of moving the sticks and when you know when the when the pressure's on making the plays and uh, uh, using the clock wisely I mean I you know there, there's so much more to it than just physically throwing the football you know I think it helps in today's game you gotta have a little bit of mobility back there I'm not saying you have to be what Michael Vick was say in his peak 20 years ago but it helps if you can run a little bit um, what Les said about passing you know 60 percent completions nowadays is almost below average the way offenses have advanced to the point to where you use uh, formations against the defense to create space for your players uh the big thing is decision making decision making is the is the number one thing for a quarterback basically at any level and if you have a quarterback that's making good decisions where to throw the ball how to use the play clock in a situation where you're ahead by two or three points late in the game and you need to bleed clock and run what they call the four-minute offense. You know, things like that. I think that's where you tell a quarterback's effectiveness in addition to what he may provide for you statistically. And that's, I'm sure, one of the things they're going to be looking for as they try to evaluate their quarterbacks this spring. I, I, had, a, I had a laugh a year or so ago. Somebody was up in the, up in the press box looking. I won't mention any names. Uh, people who've been there may be able to read between the lines. The sun was leafing through the uh, media guide hmm. and said, whoa, all the good quarterbacks have played at SIU in the last uh, 10 years because they looked at the passing yardage. Well, you know, a typical quarterback today will throw more, will, throw, will have more attempts in a month than somebody in the 70s and 80s would have had in a season. So the, the yardage and pass attempts and completion and completion percentage 
are totally skewed toward the present and the very recent. It wasn't past. A, it wasn't a Jerry Kill offense, maybe a run offense too. I mean, that, yeah. that was before yeah. I moved here, obviously. But it seemed like he was a guy that really liked the ground game. Yeah, we they had it was uh, uh, well the one year, the only year I think maybe that the SIU didn't have a thousand yard rusher is they had Brandon Jacobs with about 965 yeah, and R.T. Whitlock with about 930. They almost had so, two. Right. Right. Yeah. They almost had two, both the, both of which I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then, then yeah, they, there's no there's no coincidence that Jerry's all of Jerry's teams had a 1,000-yard rusher, uh, quarterback that, you know, could run, number one, but also was very efficient, you know, was a playmaker. And it's, it's hard to say. I think this team is going to need – a playmaker, you know, somebody that not only can manage the game and not take unnecessary risks, but somebody that can make a play with his feet. You know, Nick's really never had a running quarterback yet. And I know we had DeSomer last year, but DeSomer was really more of a runner than a quarterback. And it has to be the other way around in this league. But, you know, Northern Iowa, nobody wanted to play Northern Iowa two years ago because they had Aaron Bailey, who could run 95 yards for a touchdown. We haven't had that at Southern for a while, and, and I, I think hopefully he's recruited one of these five that, that can be a, a running threat for them as well. Well, and the two, the two um, BCS, is right? No, FCS. F-B- FBS. FBS. <laughs> man, man, ABCs. <clears throat> those two guys, those two quarterbacks are on campus, so they'll be able to co- the compete in spring. Well, they're, they're JUCOs, though. The, Lyles, I think, is a JUCO, and they have another JUCO. The one guy started at Wisconsin, though, I believe, right? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But those guys are on campus. The, the point being, they're on campus and will participate in uh, in spring football and uh, have all that under their belt when they when they go to fall camp. So that will help considerably. And you know, Ra- Ralph Leonard being gone. I mean, Landon Lenore's a nice receiver, but but I don't know if anyone's game planning for him to have a 75 yard run. Now he did have a couple of them, but he had to break a tackle at the line of scrimmage to do it. So I, I like him as a possession receiver, a slot type of guy, but they've got to reestablish their, their offensive weapons, basically. FBS, FCS, JUCO, we're living in acronym hell right now. Yeah. <laughs> All levels of football. And you can even throw out the acronyms. I just, at this point of the year, at this time of the year, it just feels like hell. <laughs> but, but that'll be the biggest battle, quarterback, and then uh, defense, obviously they have, even though they played well on defense, at times they had good defensive players. The unit as a whole was was a mess all year. Well, so and, the, and, and they've got to revamp that. And as the year went on, when they when their the defensive backfield, which was pretty good considering they were playing third and fourth stringers right, a lot, but, really. But, I mean, at, at the end of the year, it was it was it was a liability, and but yeah, it, it's hard it's hard to really judge how good they were. Like as you said, when people who didn't even appear on the early week's depth charts were, were starting or, or the main backup roles. So it will be interesting. They're still, you know, they're still young up front on the defense. Uh, they've got some people who I, I think can be impact players up there, but it's just going to be a matter of consistency, especially against the run. And we're, uh, we're well into baseball and softball season. Uh, both are at home this weekend. Uh, the baseball team making their uh, home debut against Western Illinois Friday at 2 o'clock. Um, I think it will be in the 40s, but it, uh, that's warm enough for them. And the softball team is hosting the Coach B Classic. Actually, that's been moved to Chattanooga. They just announced that today. Oh, breaking news here on the podcast. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that at all. On my, on my, uh, they moved the Coach B Classic to Chattanooga. Yes, to Chattanooga no way. Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me? 
No, they're the. Uh, Why do they want to give up the home revenue there? Uh, because well, the weather is no supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be. Oh come on, come on! Who's going to Twenty degrees. And I, I think so, doesn't softball Dolphins have? Up. Doesn't softball have a rule that you can't play if the if the wind chill is below a certain valley rules? Certain yes, point? valley rules can't be below freezing. So, that's yeah. correct. So yeah, that's, that's wow. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing well, that's a good. I'm guessing that's a good move. Well, at least they're going to play. It'll be close to Brianna Jones's hometown. Nice sound effects. That's for right. I got to admit that was pretty nice. I like that. Wow, <laughs> I did not see that coming, folks. But uh, that's great. Well, baseball I, I will be here. Podcast. <laughs> baseball will be here. You know, baseball will be here, and uh, basketball's finishing up. Very close Valley race. Um, where do you think SIU is going to finish, uh, Les? Uh, they yeah. are tied for fifth. They, they will finish in the arena on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what place they will be in, I have no idea. They could be anywhere from where we're talking. Third to eighth. Third to eighth. Well, Pick I, and, a number. And mathematically, actually, isn't – well, they could tie for the – They could spot. tie, but they would have to have a higher net than Loyola and Drake, and they will, will not. Even if – even if both even if both teams lose both games and SIU wins both, yeah, they only moved up three points. Okay, after beating Loyola by ten, I, well, I just couldn't the, believe that. You're getting to the point now. You've played enough games in a season where you're probably not going to have a real drastic jump unless you were to say, for whatever reason, say play Gonzaga and beat them. Now, and that's where it pl- and that's where it plays out because I think Loyola beat Drake both times, uh, and Missouri State, I think lost both times to Drake. So and Drake and Loyola are only separated by like nine points in the in the net going into the final week. Now they have varied schedules. I think Missouri State actually plays uh Drake or Loyola one of these two the last two games. So it it's gonna work itself out. But the the question is, will they be out of the playing games? I think they will. I think they're gonna sneak in as the six or the five. Well they they should they have an opportunity to win both games. They're at Evansville. Evansville's in last place, but uh that there's some kind of voodoo stuff going on or Twilight Zone going on when the Saluki step inside the Ford Center. Last year they got beat by 31, 31 points. and uh, Must be the raucous atmosphere you get in the Ford Center. <laughs> or or the, uh, the nice warm feeling coming up from the hockey floor. Oh, and, yeah. Don't forget the toastiness you get from that, too. <laughs> but I will say one thing. If you get there on certain nights and then you get there early enough, you can get some of the best – cheeseburgers in the hospitality room the media room there at the Ford Center I've had anywhere so there's that well I think last year we had popcorn and uh, and popcorn and uh, corn chips so uh, wow they, we, need Bucky's. Yeah, we need to go to Bucky's yeah we need to go with Bucky's, Bucky's, yeah. Bucky's uh, that, was, that was a few years ago room. before that was a few years ago before <laughs> they upset Northern Iowa when Northern Iowa was ranked in the top 25 <laughs> on New Year's night no less with oh, John Higgins in the house. Oh, wow. There we go. That's happy news. <laughs> so we had about 27 replay reviews that night. <laughs> it, uh, it is an early start, Saluki fan, 6 p.m. Uh, it is on ESPN Plus uh, and the Saluki Radio Network. Uh, Mike Reese and Mike Trude, Mike and Mike, yeah. will bring you that game uh, from the Ford Center. Now, they, they, they have lost six straight, uh, but they are averaging close to close to five, close to six this year by far their best attendance at the Ford Center and and hell they beat uh, they beat Loyola Drake and Missouri State uh, in their first five games and have just not not been able to close out a lot of these games recently. How much of that is Walter McCarty being there? Yeah, well, uptick in attendance. Well, that's that's it, and they play a better style. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marty's style won a lot of games, but oh my God, it was brutal. It was worse than watching Iowa under Todd Licklider, who is an assistant at Evansville. Oh wow! Um, now, that. but the uh, 
Okay, so here not here's what I don't get. Drake Drake had just lost their point guard when they lost in double overtime. That's right. And then Missouri State had um, they had another player. I think they got they had Oglad Church at the time. Yeah. Um, and you know Drake uh, went pulled away. But anyway, here, here's here's what I don't get about style. When when Bruce Weber and uh, Chris Lowry and Matt Painter were here, the Slukies would score about 51 points a game, and everybody moaned and complained. My God, they don't score any points, but they won 27 games a year. Does style matter if you're putting W's up there? No, no, it doesn't. But but it, but it if you're trying to put a face on the program, you're trying to recruit kids that want to play an open style. I'm not saying you can't teach them to play defense because. Chris and Bruce had some excellent offensive players, even though they played a great defensive style, and you can't play like that anymore. You'll foul out the first half. Well, that's true. I bet that part is true, but, I mean, I, I've never quite understood the style over substance thing. I mean, I would, I would take uh, 27 wins over, uh, over seven wins, but, you know, we scored 100 points a game. So. And I like defense. I uh, like low-scoring games. I'll say this for Marty. I mean, he had a couple teams since I moved here – you know, they had DJ Ballantyne, McCavichus in the middle, and they could score points. I mean, their motion offense he ran with those guys and two or three decent role players around him, they put up points. They just couldn't consistently stop the other guy. And the one chance they had to make the tournament, they got beat by a miracle shot by Wish Washburn from Northern Iowa in the finals of the Valley Tournament that year. And, and then um, Ballantyne, who was, uh, you talk about a clutch player. I mean, there, there were a couple, three years where if I needed a basket, from anybody in the valley, I'd just soon have him him have the ball as anyone. So the only guy in the valley could, that could stop him with any consistently was to to Kale Cotton, and that was only because Wichita State had gotten to the point where they were recruiting at a completely different level from everybody else in this league. And, and him and Washburn were about the some of the most unguardable players you've ever seen because he was like a ninety percent free throw shooter. He could shoot threes from two steps in from the mid court line. Uh, was an excellent ball handler. Didn't turn it over. Um, and that's why he's playing professionally. So that's uh, that's that. Well, the uh, the women are back home this weekend for uh, senior day as well. Uh, they're playing number twenty three Drake uh, Friday night, uh, who is a very fun team to watch. Even if you're rooting for SIU, um, they're coached by a former Hawkeye, of course. But they're also very fun to watch. Um, they they will be in the tournament, uh, I imagine, and uh, and they may be able to win some games. Maybe able to win some games in the tournament. If anybody here is old enough to remember the movie Pleasantville, um, I own that movie. Yes, Drake reminds me a little bit of Pleasantville. For people who haven't seen it, it was a it was a utopian panacea place where high school basketball games nobody ever missed a shot, and uh, Drake does miss shots, but they they never fail to get good ones. It's just a, a very effective system that is that is run. Uh, run very well by by Drake, and uh, it's not it's not an impressive looking team. When when they come out, and you watch them in warm ups. They don't jump out of the gym. They're not exceedingly quick, but they're all they're all very solid basketball players. They uh, they uh, shoot very well, and it seems like during a game during a game they'll either score on uh, backdoor cut layups or wide open threes. So it's just. They're, they're amazing to watch. They are fun. Kind of reminds me of a little bit of watching the Nashville boys, too. I mean, when you, you say teams are doing things right, even if the score doesn't always reflect it, 
mean, they're usually getting good shots, even if the stuff doesn't go in. They trust the system because they've had right. success in the system. Right. And that's really beautiful to watch a team that entrusted stuff, even if they go through a four or five minute drought, because they know eventually you're going to have a market correction, things are going to pop back into place. Well, the Salukis had them down 14 last year, I think, at one point. And then uh, Drake, just as you said, just, you know, don't, don't deviate, don't panic, just, just keep just keep scoring on those layups and let the other team make enough mistakes for you to take advantage. With uh, the boys' basketball playoffs getting into high gear, who do you think will be the last 1A team standing? Bucky the Dabbs. last 1A team standing is either from here is either going to be Cesar Belier or Woodlawn, and Woodlawn looked really impressive Friday night. They pretty much bogarted Thompsonville off the floor over at uh, Wayne City. Impressive atmosphere. Woodlawn scored the first 12 points, 158 to 40. Cesar Valier had a lot tougher time in its regional than a lot of people would have expected. Narrow win over Christopher, double overtime to eliminate Steelville. Sometimes teams need a couple of games like that, and then they find their their form afterwards. Although I tell you what, Cesar Valier may have a dangerous out in the sectional semis of Cairo tomorrow night. You saw Cairo win at Goreville, which is not an easy place to win in a postseason matchup, and Cairo did it. Yeah, they, 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 I mean, they made almost all their free throws. They have two inside players. They're really tough, uh, really strong. Kirby's a horse, isn't he? And they, uh, and they, bring, another, they bring another one off the bench. Uh, their guards are a little suspect, and they don't shoot a ton of threes. But, I mean, if they, they are patient, too, which I never would have imagined. The, the Cairo teams that I saw when I started, Massac County made the state tournament my first year with uh, Joe Hosman, and they had these two, like, six, seven tweener forwards. Um, and I thought they could have won state that year, and the Puro Journal Star actually picked them to win, and they lost in the first game. Um, but uh, I, I was very impressed with Cairo's coaching and Cairo's patience. They, they don't—they didn't beat themselves. Yeah. Uh, Goreville just hit a couple of threes in the last minute to make it interesting, but they were—they were—they were up ten to start the fourth quarter. So it's—it's it's kind of interesting. Cesar Valier's kind of got that um, kind of got that mix of uh, of good athleticism and a, a solid system and they have a very good they're, they're built around their offense is built around Tyler Winchester who's one of the better players in, in southern Illinois he can he can do a lot of things on the basketball floor and but then you have Cairo who, who's got who's athletic enough to beat anybody and if they if if they take good shots and, and play solid defense they, they are going to be a tough out and Woodlawn has been basically on a 15-year role, so. Yeah. Now, the thing you have to remember about Cairo is the record's under 500, but they play so many schools with huge enrollments. I mean, they, they, they don't hesitate to play anybody. You know, if I'm not mistaken, they beat, they I think they beat Massac earlier this year. I know they beat DeCoin. They've played Heron. I mean, they've they, they, they ducked no one, and I think it helps them at this time of the year when they get down to the the, the 1A uh, playoffs because they, they've already seen the best they're going to see all year in terms of talent and athleticism. And the other the other side of that, too, is they don't play many home games. Right. Most of their games are on the road or at neutral sites. So, yeah, you know, going to Gallatin County, even though it's a pretty good bus ride, is another day of work. And 2A coming up, uh, you know, that, that sectional starts tonight at DeCoin with Pinckneyville and Alton Marquette. Dawson Yates is back for Pinckneyville. He had 22 Friday night and a win at Anna Jonesboro. And certainly they're a much different and much better team with him than they are without him. Perhaps we might have a third crack at Pinkneyville Nashville in a sectional final Friday night. Although West Frankfurt, as you saw Friday night, Les at Chester will have something to say about that. Yeah, uh, Frankfurt, uh, Frankfurt played very well. Uh, C.J. Johnson is one of the best basketball players in Southern Illinois. 
and um, um, help me out, Melvin, Josh Melvin. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, had a very big game, great first half. Everything that came off the offensive glass, he he grabbed and stuck right back in. And when they get when they get somebody else scoring at that kind of pace, along with C.J. Johnson, they are going to be a tough out. And one more thing to mention too, you were talking about Joe Hosman a moment ago. His Massac team pulled off one heck of a comeback last night against Murfreesboro to start the three A regionals in Metropolis. They were down 31-14 in the second quarter. Kept pounding the ball inside, got Murphy into foul trouble, made it all the way back, and then beat him in overtime by going nine of 12 at the foul line. Another. Another great win and a career full of them for Joe Hosman, and he has Carbondale tonight in the second game after Marion, which is red hot, tries its hand at Mascuda in the opener that we'll be covering at 6 o'clock down there. Well, enjoy the basketball. Thanks for joining us. Uh, to subscribe to the Southern Illinoisan, go to thesouthern.com or call 618-529-5454. Thank you.